Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Gratitude Unfiltered, broadcast live on the Live Mana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Learn more at livemanaworldwide.org slash multimedia-broadcast. You're in for a treat if you're watching on Facebook or any other place on social media, YouTube, Twitch. Please like, subscribe, and share with friends. Thank you so much for being here. We have an amazing guest. We are going to discuss trauma, how to heal from it, and a lot of other things. We're going deep. We're going hardcore. This is going to be a true definition of what Gratitude Unfiltered is all about. Times are poignant. The winds have shifted. It's all we can do to stay uplifted. Pipelines through backyards. Wolves howling out front. Yeah, I got my crew, but truth is what I want. Realigned and on point, power to the peaceful, prayers to the waters, women at the center, all vessels open. What's up, everybody? This is Joshua T. Berglund. You are on Gratitude Unfiltered. Boy, I just butchered that. Anyway, you guys are in for a treat today. I'm really, really happy that you're here. Um, those of you who know about Gratitude Unfiltered, you've watched over the years. None of this is really going to surprise you, but maybe there's some of it will. Um, this is going to be awesome. So please like, subscribe, share, wherever you're watching from. And if you're watching on the Live Model Worldwide Network, thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll be right back to introduce our guests. But first... I love that beat. I was dancing back there. All right, so let's get let's just get real really quick. Um, those of you who don't know me, um, I'll give you a little bit of context about why we're going into this and a lot of what you're about to hear. Uh, those of you who do know me, this is, again, not going to be much of a surprise. That said, um, I don't really know, like I lived a pretty reckless and evil, corrupt life. And whether you look at it as of the trauma that I experienced as a kid and not getting help, not having a voice, I don't know. But the fact is, the fact that I didn't have a voice, the fact that I didn't get help, and why this mission for Voices for the Voiceless is so personal to me, it's because I know what it's like to have trauma in my life and get it from every angle you can imagine, whether it's verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. I mean, my sexual identity was robbed at an early, early age. I mean, like I was over-sexualized by seven years old. Like having deviant sexual thoughts at seven is not, I don't think the way our creator <laughs> designed things to be. I don't think he wanted that. 
And the fact is, there's a lot of hidden shame out there. There's a lot of people that are hiding the fact that they have been sexually abused in their life. And look, there's all forms of trauma. But, you know, for me, I think the, the, the sexual trauma is probably the one that set me off on this course of destruction the most. And then, of course, trying to hide the fact that I was a deviant and living a double life by doing drugs and sneaking off and sleeping with men women, trannies, whatever. I, I, the fact is that I was a sexual deviant. I abused not only myself, um, the, I experienced abuse, but I also gave a lot of abuse. But then I also abused myself with the choices I made. I didn't get HIV from eating Cheerios. I got it because of the decisions I made by mixing sex and drugs and it just feed, trying to feed this demon that couldn't be fed. And, and because of that, I wrecked three homes. I lost my kids. I have, I mean, I mean, one of the six arrests that I had was being arrested, going out and seeing a prostitute when my wife was married with twins. So the fact is this, I don't, I'm not proud of any of that stuff and thank the Lord that I've done the work to heal. But that said, and I am a man of God, I do have a ministry. And the fact is that this show is a ministry, but we can't have real honest conversations with the people of the church, unfortunately, because this is a really touchy subject. When you start talking about sex and drugs and you start talking about the fact that I'm a walking man of God, that it walks, I literally walk with the Lord every single day. Like every single day I live to serve the Lord full time. But that doesn't mean that I don't have those same twisted thoughts come back in my head and have to wrestle with it. And, it, and what has been my saving grace is the willingness to be honest and have these conversations because it's the one thing that keeps me from sneaking off and living a double life again. And that pattern and that pattern and that journey of healing has allowed me to go on to now have my life restored. Everything that I'd lost, everything that I'd lost has now been brought back and given to me in a new way. And, and God's giving me an opportunity to be a good steward of that. It's only because I put it out there. I voiced it. I expressed it. I, I didn't hide from it. I talked about it. I even talked about the things that I did and the things that happened to me. But the fact is, there's so many people that are living in secret shame. There's people that are living with this guilt. There's people that are living with this, living a double life. And they may be people that are whether you call them religious or you call them followers of Christ or you call them preachers or you call them atheists the fact is this but they're they're pretending to be you know this whole and complete person but there's people that are just suffering in silence because they're scared to share what's real and when you don't put it out in the atmosphere and you don't share it what happens is it starts to corrupt your mind corrupt your thinking and then all of a sudden your behaviors change you start sneaking around and when you sneak around, all you do outside of hurting yourself is you hurt the people that love you the most. So we're going to get into it today with no fear. Like I have no idea where this is going to go. I had the opportunity to be on The Morning Brew with our guest, Audrey O'Brien, last week. And I was just blown away by her. Um, and and, and, and the, the fact is, like she probably gets it. She gets healing from trauma better than anyone I've ever met. And I think you guys are going to absolutely fall in love with her. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, 
Audrey O'Brien. What's up, Audrey? How you doing? Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. Sorry for the long intro. I just wanted to give a little it. bit of context there. <laughs> so I love it. Doing that. I I loved it. Thank you for that. Was a beautiful intro. I I noticed a couple of things within myself, like. I have a really hard time accepting those kind of compliments and that's, that speaks to my own trauma. And, um, so I'm, I'm working on the art of receiving, which I believe is actually really aligned with your show gratitude unfiltered, just because gratitude is, um, being in receivership. Like it's, it's the reception of, of love and the willingness to receive the art of receiving. And so I receive those compliments and um, I'm just so, I continue to be so inspired and impressed by your vulnerability and willingness to work on shame resilience and have honest, difficult conversations is such a, honor to be with someone as vulnerable and true as you. Well, thank you. And it wasn't easy. I mean, it took yeah. a 30, <laughs> honestly, I didn't really, I, I, I got credit for being really, really bold, but the truth was that I was hiding two very painful secrets with yeah. my audience when I had morning gratitude and Jimmy Murphy, God bless you, man. God bless the work that you guys do uh, in San Diego, soon to be the world. Good to see you. Um, but, I, it took, and this is proof to me that God uses everything because I had, I'd given my life to the Lord, but I lost it. I, I gave up. I quit. I said, screw it. I'm done. I, I had all of these things that I felt were taken from me and I just gave up. And so I went on this meth binge that was basically a month long relapse, but I would go in these three to four day spurts of just using it, staying awake. This, but I would eventually fall asleep. This last time that I that it happened to me, this is the fourth day. I'm getting ready to re up. I'm on an app. I'm looking for drugs, looking for sex, and I'm looking to feed this demon that's inside of me that I just needed to be fed with all of the exploits that I that I chased. Hmm. God came to me. I could see him at the same. I had the phone here, and I could see God out of the corner of my eye, and he goes, uh-uh. I'm not letting you go. I'm not done with you yet. This is going to suck, but you're going to put a spotlight on your shadow world. You're going to call it gratitude unfiltered. There's no more morning gratitude. There's no more fluff. Mm -hmm. You don't have the luxury of keeping secrets. We're putting a spotlight on your shadow world. And you're mm -hmm. going to show the world the power of truth. That is what that is the journey that set me off and changed everything and got me on this path of doing it. And I was scared to death. Mm -hmm. It was necessary, but here's the truth. The only way I know how to stay out in front of those demons, and I shared with you privately after we got off that, um, the interview last Wednesday, mm -hmm. I was like, look, there's still like, I, I don't know which, which me, which version of me is going to show up day to day. And like some days I'm like, there's, there's a part of me that's asexual. There's a part of me that's bisexual. There's a part of me that's straight. I mean, and it's like, I don't know which person's going to show up because I don't know what my, what is going to be flooded in my brain. So the only thing I know how to do is talk about it. And this is, I'm, I'm a, I'm an evangelist, basically a shock jock evangelist. 
but like I don't understand it. Like mm -hmm. I don't understand it. And looking back, is it the is it from the different traumas or different parts of my life? So anyway, all I know to do is talk about it. So I appreciate what you're saying, but the only reason I'm doing it is to be obedient to what I feel led to do. That's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so I I'm. I have an affinity for a term called satnam. It's a it's a kundalini Sanskrit term meaning truth and identity. I always finish my work with with that term, and um, I really believe that the formula to getting into your satnam, the truth of your identity, is to allow your mind to speak. And that's exactly what you're doing. My, my meditation architecture work is based on connecting to breath, allowing the mind the space to chatter and for that light that you're talking about to shine on what is chattering in a safe environment where it can be expressed and then a, a deeper connection to the body and a settling into that satnam, to the truth of identity. So you've just there's many doorways into satna meditation is just one of them but you've kind of discovered that through expression vulnerable honest expression you've created sort of your own safety even mm -hmm. even with the fear that accompanies truth telling and storytelling uh that you can get down into the root of who you are and emerges that more fully allowing that those programs those parts of your mind and development all those different identities that you are speaking about to have space to speak and that's really incredible it's really necessary for us as humans to find a way to have safe expression I, one of the things that, and I, I'm, I'm going to share this and adjust, I think I, I'm sure I will have to share everything. Jessica doesn't care. But one of the things when we first met and became friends before we started working together and before we fell mm -hmm. in love, I was at this stage where I didn't understand this, but this is a true thing. The more attracted I was to a woman, the more I desired for her to be with other men. Hmm. I, I remember the day that it started. I remember the trauma. I'm able to now go back and go, I know why this happened. Okay. And it was because of the way I found out I was being cheated on. Mind you, I was already cheating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was... I was already cheating the way I found out that I was the way that I found out that I was being cheated on wrecked me. And the only way I could handle that emotionally, because I had the emotional capacity of a two year old, uh -huh. but it was to basically turn it into a fantasy. And that was the thing with everything that happened. The, when I was molested, I through drugs got the courage to go back and revisit those situations uh -huh. to, to take it from a nightmare to make it a fantasy mm -hmm. because that was the only way I knew how to experience it because I didn't like pain. Mm -hmm. And so now there was a correlation to having to mix drugs. It was like sober. I typically wouldn't want it, but then I was always craving drugs. So it went hand in hand, but one of those things, and I, 
I opened up and I told Jessica about it. And she was like, okay, I don't really know what to do with that. Like, <laughs> what do I say? But I didn't know any different, but to be honest, because mm -hmm. it was so easy for me to keep secrets. And here's what I've learned though. I've learned through my journey and my time with her that I don't want that. Like I, the thought of sharing her is like, it makes me sick now. And I thank God from that. So it's like, I've healed that part of me, but then there's other, these other weird things that come up that I notice that have been coming up for me the last few weeks. And I, I like to call them attacks from the enemy. You know, he's trying to get, knock me off my path to get me to go back to that drug and dark sex life I was in. Mm -hmm. Can you go into any of like, do you, does any of that make sense to you? Yeah, so I think that it's really natural when we've got unprocessed trauma to create disconnection from... Mm -hmm. Is that the same as disassociation? Uh, not the same thing, but connected to one another. It, disassociation is something we do to disconnect as well. But wanting your partner to be with other people or just creating a way in which you don't have to be accountable to receiving the love anymore mm -hmm. to disconnecting from your worthiness to receive love and and creating situations where you you don't have to lean into the discomfort of experiencing receiving love when it's unfamiliar when you are unprocessed and so that's a really common huh. a really common thing like i'm curious about what's coming up for you most currently and how we can explore how those thoughts and, and experiences that have been coming up more recently engage you in creating disconnection. Okay, so and this is and I I you're you're on to something. Um, okay, bring it up. But so what it is, I chased. So I carpamentalized. I had these different uh, dragons that I like to chase. And every dragon had, was a sex and drug combination. So there was no, um, you know, like in other words, if I would go off, I was like, okay, I'm going to go into this. And uh, my my ex-girlfriend and I, well, one of the things that we would do is like we would look on apps for guys to bring in to do drugs and have sex and do all that stuff, right? Okay. So I had that part. Then I had another part that where I would go to, and I'm being very brutally honest here. Okay. I would either go to bathhouses or I would go to porn theaters. Okay. They were all carpamentalized, separate, like dirty fantasies that I would go on. And if I would go down one rabbit hole and it wasn't working out, I knew I could jump over to the other, but they were all separate. So okay. the thing about sharing, like I was able to close that off and heal from it. But these other things in the way that whether it's in my dreams and the way that I don't if if I dream, I mm -hmm. physically feel it. And okay. I don't know if anyone that's watching out there understands this or knows this. Um, I mean, has experiences it themselves. But like in my dreams, I'm physically feeling and doing everything it out. So I'm acting out those behaviors that I did in either bathhouses or when I would go to orgies or when I would go to 
you know, adult movie theaters, like that okay. behavior, mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you know, some of this stuff, but I mean, you know, my mom watches the show. Bless you, um, mom. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, and thank the Lord, but this is how, and I share this all the time with my audience is that I go, the, the, you're only attacked with your old sins. Like you don't get the devil does it or the enemy. And I know that you're not necessarily a, a Christian, but so, but I, I, this is the terms I use for my audience. Like the devil can't attack you with anything new. He can only use the old things, the old behaviors, unless if you give it new ammo <laughs> to come at you with. So all he comes at me with is all the old stuff. But the way it's happening is in my dreams. Mm -hmm. And I'm physically feeling it like I've done the drugs, like I've had the, the sex, that I've had all the partners. And I wake up going like feeling guilty for what I've just done because I have this amazing wife and family, but I literally feel like I just acted all that out. Mm -hmm. And then because I feel like I acted it out, it stays with me all day long where I have these like visions, detailed visions of everything happening. And I'm constantly like slapping myself going, I rebuke you. I remove you. Like, I mean, I'm I, I, re I rebuke this. And it happens, it's been happening probably off and on for the last month in mm -hmm. my sleep. And then it carries over to the next day. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like in this spiritual wrestling match going, okay, God, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm fully submitting going, you take this from me. This doesn't belong to me. This is not the life I want anymore. Mm -hmm. But it, it feels so freaking real mm -hmm. that it's like I did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually am Christian. I'm very Christian. Oh, my bad. <laughs> it's all right. Um, well, when we have another conversation to have about Kundalini and that, but get into what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. No, there is a really, really strong connection between Kundalini and Christ. I actually believe that Christ practiced Kundalini, and I think there's evidence of that, ample evidence of that. So, um one of the ways that I connect to, to Christ is through, through Kundalini meditation. And uh, I think that, that I really relate to this because I have had trauma dreams and I wake up and I, I feel that too. I, I, mm -hmm. It's as if it's real. It carries with me. There's a vibration in my body that is yes. deeply uncomfortable and painful and for me, I that's where meditation has become my respite because I can take that to the mat. I can breathe through it, um, apply oxygen to it. I can alchemize the vibration in my body on the mat in a way that I can't and it, it, can't do in a healthy way mm -hmm. um, through any other resource for me personally, and so that becomes my sanctuary, my um, place where I guess in some ways, I guess so many um, going to the mat and processing it. I really believe that when there's this emergence of stuff coming up, which it sounds like there has been over the last month, that you're being called to a deeper level of healing as we all, maybe we don't all know, but a lot of us know that healing is not linear. And um, when we wrap around to uh, being prepared and able to process at a new level, 
at a level we haven't gone to before. The, the old traumas that are ready for that deeper level of processing begin to surface and ask us to process at that deeper level. And oftentimes when we're talking about really intense trauma, we need support in doing that or guidance in doing that. Um, it's why I love meditation architecture because you can build a meditation to address really specific things and allow that same feeling that you're talking about, that vibration that you actually feel to alchemize into the equality of what you feel, but in a more like blissful place without the use of drugs or sex or, you know, the escape that's momentary, like true alchemy where the depth of pain that you feel you can take to the mat, take to Christ, take to processing, use the breath, use the portal of breath in the body, the human body that you're in to gain access to your satam, to your infinite truth, and settle into your nature, which is that you're a God, that you come from God and that you're a God and be restored. That that stuff that you're talking about when we when we seek feeling things to an extreme you talked about the the different pathways that you would use to experience what you want whether that's the bath ha bathhouse or the porn or you know the different doorways that you would use and then you jump around based on what was working and what was not <laughs> yeah so it reminds me a little bit of um, I've worked with a few athletes who participate in extreme sports, like extreme sports where they take their life all the way to the edge, right? Where like they're hanging mm -hmm. really, truly there. They could fall and die quickly. There's this, that rush, that need to feel differently um, that's what you have in common with those athletes. A lot of people seek that in different ways. And when we move into those extreme places in order to feel things in extreme, we create this programming in our body, in our, and that creates this sensitivity that you're talking about and it can be such a liability like you said when you wake up and it's like just with you right but i have learned and i have that sensitivity too um i have learned that any liability any liability can be an asset any liability i agree with that yeah, and um, it's when I read an asset for me to be able to speak, feel comfortable speaking mm -hmm. about this. I mean, it's a I'm not going to say I'm 100% comfortable talking about it because <laughs> it is awkward. Like, I have mm -hmm. a lot of new people that know me now, and it's like they don't know my whole story. So mm -hmm. I'm sure that this is – I mean, there's a twinge of that, but I know this is my freedom. Like, I mm -hmm. know my power comes from this weakness because – I know I don't want that life anymore. That's not mm -hmm. the life for me. I love the life I have now and I love getting to serve, but 
I know there's other people that are held prisoner by this and someone has to talk about it. Someone has to be honest about it because someone has to, because someone has to lead the way. And maybe like it, it kills my opportunity for certain levels of success or popularity or fame or whatever. But honestly, I'm past that. Like, I just want to be obedient to what I'm called to do. I want to be obedient to my purpose. And this is a big part of it. Yeah, um, people believe in liability. People manifest liability. People live in liability. Uh, and that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And sharing the message that that isn't necessary, that any liability can be an asset is is deeply moving, inspiring, and, and Christian, and very connected to the truth of who we are and the power that yeah. we have. That's really about harnessing our individual power and recognizing that we have the ability to transform our lives, to return back to God, to um, restore wholeness. One of my friends once told me when I was sort of just in a really, really dark place myself, she said um, that her father had once told her that if she wanted to get to know Christ, that she should uh, do something that she could never forgive herself for. And I thought well, that was really, that, I thought that was really interesting. And she was speaking to me about this because I was really struggling to forgive myself for something that I, that had occurred in my own chase for um, that extreme in my own manifestation and cultivation and curation of um, downplaying my worth and proving that I was you know, not connected to God and not worthy of yeah. um, receiving love from anyone. And I, I find that sentiment that she taught me so true as I do my own work that in, in the pursuit and belief of my liability actually came redemption when, yeah. I, when I was willing to be with it in, in honesty. That's man, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. I, it's funny. I always get jealous if I, I meet people that were like pastors, kids that pretty much live that Ozzy and Harriet leave to beaver life. <laughs> and I'm like, you lucky son of a, like, it, you know, cause you didn't hurt your parents' feelings. Like you didn't traumatize. I mean, I traumatized my family, my ex-wives, families, my kids. I mean, I traumatized everyone that got in my path. And, and yet to this day, the people that I'm drawn to, the people that I want to serve God with, are the people that know what it's like to to be strung out, to be junkies, to be in prison, to be, you know, have have, have experienced deeper levels of trauma. Mm -hmm. And then I'm drawn to them because I'm also in awe of the way that they passionately serve God. And like they just use they they used to just abuse their body or accept abuse of their own body. Mm -hmm. And now they give up their body and their own life to serve God and to serve their creator and to do, you know, to to really serve a God that has changed their life passionately. Like I'm drawn to that because that's my experience of God. It took a level of brokenness, it took a level of destruction, self-destruction, it took going into jail for the sixth time being put in isolation because i thought having hiv would give me special privileges <laughs> no, put me in the psych ward instead 
And it took me a shouting match, screaming at God, like, why won't you fix me? Why won't you change me like everybody else? And the mm -hmm. very first time I ever heard God talk to me, he mm -hmm. said, you have to forgive your father. Mm -hmm. How the beep am I supposed to do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 blah. And, and then when God said, it happened to him too. Mm -hmm. Changed mm -hmm. everything. And, you know, to... Because it gave me a different perspective. It allowed me to have compassion. But the other side of this is I've been since my healing journey, and I'm very serious about healing. Mm -hmm. I've been able to see things now. I'm getting visions of what happened before the trauma happened. I mm. saw the events that took place before was molested for the first time. Mm. And you know what? It took the power away from being molested. Mm. So I never looked at it anymore as being a victim. Mm. And the reason why is because I put myself in a situation unknowing to go watch porn with a bunch of older guys in the neighborhood, watching porn, getting all ramp horned up and whatever the, you know, and I mean, I'm here it is, I'm seven years old. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after I became basically what was seen in the video mm. and but i instead of you know i wasn't a woman but you know that happened to me and mm -hmm. that was my experience but like for this longest time i couldn't see that even now like even with healing in my relationship with my father like i'm so grateful for my father i hated my dad for years like i hated him so much i showed up an hour late to his funeral because i did cocaine the entire night before and mm -hmm. had you know, crazy sex and all this other stuff. I show up an hour late to his funeral. I hated him so much, but now I can honestly go, I really love my dad. He's mm -hmm. not here anymore, but I love my dad. And like, I'm grateful for him and every lesson that I've learned from him because what I learned from him is helping me now today so much. Yeah. So family, I think that to have come to uh, a lot of healing through the forgiveness of my parents. And I think that's by no mistake that our design of family and the way that we come into the human experience through other people, through the co-creation people engage in. Um, I really think that that's an intentional design that God has created and the structure of that is really fascinating to me because it does require us to move through this either connection, disconnection, reconnection process with our biologic parents mm -hmm. uh, in order to reconnect to God more fully. I, I went through a time where I really blamed my parents as well. Um, had, you know, probably not as traumatic of a of a childhood as as well. And I don't actually like comparison because trauma is is experienced different for every individual. But needing to forgive them, and this will kind of blow your mind. One of the things that I thought about while you were speaking, when you were talking about people who grow up in maybe a religious household who don't experience what you do, I have a lot of clients who have grown up in stable, what would be considered stable homes, 
with religion mm-hmm. present. Oh. Uh, I live in Utah where like the, <laughs> the dominant religion, you know, there's a lot of Mormons yeah. here. So there's like a lot of religious experience and not all of my clients are are from Utah. In fact, most of them are not, but the clients that I do work with that are from Utah, many of them have been raised in homes that you kind of described. And I, I want to speak to that religion and spirituality are two very, very different things. And that those clients are just as disconnected from God as I was, or you, you were that they, they too have to move through breaking and dismantling the, the conditioning or the belief that if they don't check certain boxes, they aren't connected to God, even if they haven't experienced the use of drugs or objectification of the, of the body and things like that, that they're, they, every human is sort of asked to go through this. How do you connect to God? How do you find God source and, and step into your higher self and that there's just as much bizarre trauma inside those individuals as there is inside you. I promise you that. Oh, I, I do not discount that at all. In fact, I really, one of the things that I'm trying to get better at and improve on is when I get a lot of messages about, you know, people that have been hurt by religion and hurt by the Mm. church. I mean, one of the Mm -hmm. big forgiveness, when I was in Los Angeles, um, you know, I, the the last, I I was like, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to, but I'll go to Beirut, but I'm not going back home to Oklahoma because I (laughs) fled there. And then I heard something that from a guy from this business course of all things, but it said, if you don't heal all of the wounds of your past, you mm-hmm. will never step into all that God has available for you. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, crap, I've got to go to Oklahoma. <laughs> and I went to Oklahoma and I went there thinking that I was trying to heal something, but in reality, I was healing something else. And that was my relationship with the church and mm. certain ministers that mm. I felt that had done me wrong not realizing that the people inside the church are still human. They're just there trying to get fixed and trying to get right, (laughs) but they're still human and they're flawed and they're not perfect. But I like, you're the preacher and you wrong me and screw you. And I hate you. Like I literally had all of these stories going on. And I realized that a big area that I needed to forgive was the church because you know what religion had hurt me too. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. It, it hurt, and it's hurt a lot of people and therefore mm-hmm. and they go and they hear sometimes hear me talk about jesus and they think just assume i'm religious i'm the furthest thing from religious in fact i'm more on i'm more closely related to the spiritual side of jesus than i am mm-hmm. anything because after all jesus is the perfect representation of spirituality mm-hmm. there, there is no there is no religion jesus hated religion yeah. And, and, and religion is, is a, obsessed with rules and it's obsessed with sin. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is not obsessed with sin. That's why he died for us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's why we have forgiveness. That's why we get to repent. Now, look, I know that if I'm consciously acting out something that is not right for me and I know is wrong, guess what? That's on me. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I get to be forgiven when I do mess up and I get to move on and I don't have to hang on to it. Religion 
wants to bury you six feet in the ground with your sin, with shame and judgment, and people hide in secret because of it. And people have been so separated from the truth of Jesus because of that shame, because of that religious trauma. And I've had enough of it. The whole reason, like we have, I mean, a big reason for what Gratitude Unfiltered is and turning it into a ministry is really for a, a, a church, a ministry for people who have been hurt by the church, the people mm -hmm. that have been shunned, you know, the people that are afraid that would never walk into a church building. And that's why we're going to have conversations like this because they matter because that healing, that healing could be the very thing that sets you free and allows you to live the, the, the purpose that God had created you for. But you can't step into that purpose until you've healed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't find it. You can't step into it because it's very, very difficult to find or to know what your purpose is until you move through that process of, of healing. I feel so much gratitude right now for having this conversation because what you just so eloquently explained is akin to me, my extraction from religion and into spirituality and stepping away from checking those boxes and, and the judgment, the ju really religion is about judgment. And that isn't who Christ was. And it's so dis, I find, I have found that um, religion is, for me and the experiences I've had with religion is about as unchristlike as it gets. And uh, so I've really extracted myself pretty far away from, from religion in that aspect because I don't find Christ there very often. <laughs> uh, so I feel I'm so grateful to be at church with you today at a Amen. church a church that feels true right um and to learn from you and to be with you and the people who listen to you and experience something that feels a lot more akin to what is christian what is christ what is coming into identity coming into the purpose and potential of the individual and giving people the tools and resources to find themselves. Yeah. And that does come through this gritty, gritty process of forgiveness, of atonement, of applying exactly that which Christ did. Mm -hmm. And and it requires us to like meet him there to experience it. Religion has gives this idea that he do, he does it for us. I don't believe that. I think he does it with us. Oh, I it's a relate yes, we're with us in relationship. Yeah. And to experience it like we a lot of us put so much energy into seeking relationships with others. I really believe by seeking a relationship with him first. Mm -hmm all of our other relationships fall into place accordingly. And Don't you think that's also just seeking relationship with self too, though? Well, honestly, I, cause I have the mind of Christ. So yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, I, mean, I, yes. I, I, I tell myself, this is how I've been dealing with a lot of the, 
the crap that's come at me is that like I have the mind of Christ. I mean, I went to, um, I go to this amazing, I go to two churches on Sunday now because I found this ministry that I love that like is like, is gritty. Um, and it's shout out to ICCM, which is inner city, uh, church of Minneapolis or AKA the life center. And I love it there. But, um, they had the, the anointing oil. I found it on Sunday and I was like, Oh man. So I'm walking around and I don't like to sit still in church. I kind of walk okay. <laughs> back and forth. And I'm, I'm like binding my mind to the mind of Jesus Christ because mm -hmm. I have the mind of Christ and I have to remind myself that. And you corrected me on something that we talked about privately when I've shared about, you know, the official diagnosis is DID, mm -hmm. you know, another word for multiple personality. I'm not saying the last word. Um, mm -hmm. And I've learned how to, to, to navigate it and to live with it until I have it, like until something creeps up. Mm. But I'm really working to give, to not give power to it and to remind myself that I truly have the mind of Christ and that, and that, that I'm not what any of those diagnoses say. I don't, you know, mm -hmm. like yeah, I have the diagnosis of HIV, but I have, I mean, my mm -hmm. been renewed. And that is, that has been this, really interesting struggle, especially when something crazy happens or if I, you know, quote unquote, switch personalities. Okay. And it's one of the more hostile versions of me um, because of not catching on to a trigger or stopping it or learning mm -hmm. to disconnect quick enough to, to keep me from switching. But you reminded me of that, of like really, and if you're you saying that about how I was trying, I identifying triggered me to going, oh yeah, I have the mind of Christ. I'm not going there. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for that, by the way. Yeah. I Thanks. I, I, I think one of the things that has been really important to me in my development of relationship with myself, with Christ, with others, and my development of how I want to show up in the world is to like, you know, as you said, the mind of Christ for me is the sight of Christ. I do a lot of third eye work. I want to see, we have two eyes to see, uh, to look and one eye to see, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of third eye work because I believe that is how we see as Christ does. And if I can see people for who they really are, then I can show up the way mm -hmm. I want to. And I work very, very hard on on seeing truth and so um whether that's through our conversation that was mostly you know in text kind of you know through words seeing people and reminding them of who they are or in a conversation like this we we need more of that and so i receive that compliment because i work very very hard to be that for people and i'm so grateful when someone can be that for me as well and and i i have a lot of people in my life who who are that for me my lover of 25 years for one is really good at showing me who i am we need that reminder mm. when we can't see it ourselves especially in that place that you're talking about that where we're gripped yeah. in, into something we need people who can say no <laughs> let me remind you who you are and yeah. um 
Thank I, God for Jessica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's always and, in my ear. <laughs> we need people like that, right? And I, I'm grateful to have been that for a moment in your life. For sure. Well, I mean, you really have had a bigger impact than just that. I want to be in our last 13 minutes here. Okay. I want to go into because there's <clears throat> Kundalini and Third Eye are two words or two mm -hmm. practices that a huge part of a Christian population look at as evil. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm sure you're aware of this because I'm sure you've been called a lot of different things. Oh, yes. Um, like a witch. <laughs> I, I personally don't believe that God gave us a third eye if he didn't want us to use it. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't understand Kundalini, to be honest with you, except for the fact that I worked private security um, a couple years ago outside of a Kundalini yoga facility <laughs> to protect all of the people that were inside of it because they were under attack. Okay. So, by religious organizations. Cool. <laughs> what a cool experience. What a rad experience. So, I, I want you to speak to this because I, I don't understand Kundalini fully, but I look, there's a huge population that believe that that is like the, the, the I, again, I don't understand it well. Talk about it, but it is very Christ-like. And there's some that say it's evil, and that there's a Kundalini spirit that attaches to your spine, and it's evil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speak to it honestly. Like I don't, I don't have any judgment towards it because I, I don't understand it. Okay. But again, going back to the third eye part, I don't think God gives us a third eye. And every, like when they put fluoride in the water, when they they're poisoning our foods that we eat all the day. They're trying to calcify our pineal gland, which mm -hmm. allows us to see through the third eye. They're doing that because they don't want us to have intuition and see truth. Mm -hmm. So there's something to it because man mm -hmm. has been doing everything possible to separate us from the truth of Christ since he was murdered. Mm -hmm. so, you people that don't like the third eye, shut up. I don't. I think you're wrong. Right? <laughs> Dan Kundalini. So will you please talk about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this has actually been a topic that's been really prevalent in my life over the last week because the LDS church or the Mormon church actually came out and said last week that they were kind of against uh, anybody who who would say that they work with energy. And a lot of people reached out to me to say, like, how do you feel about this? This describes you. Like, what are you thinking? And so I've had a lot of conversations around this kind of topic over the last week, um, which has been really interesting. But really, as you said, man has been trying to disconnect us from from our higher selves, from Christ for a, for a long time. And I think religion steps into a place of fear around uh, things that are confusing or don't make a lot of sense. Or if we go back really far into ancient times, things that uh, connected us to our own power, things that are powerful. If you think about resources and how resources are this way that people in power harness control over people and disconnect them from God. Water is one. Nutrition, as you mentioned, is another. I believe breathing is one of those things as well. And 
breath work is a big part of kundalini kundalini is really breath work meditation practices where you use the body in mudra or in position to gain access to the body or to the nervous system to interact with life force energy kundalini is the practice of energetic alchemy through the body through the breath and yes there there's this you're you've got your actual nervous system that overlays our energetic system and there's the three main channels so your spinal cord and then the two channels that serpentine if you've seen the blue cross blue shield symbol or that medical symbol right that yeah, christian thinks it's satanic yeah yeah and that has to do with like the snake and all the things that have been associated with that symbol to demonize it but in right. reality it's a replica of our like then you're demonizing the human body and if god created the human body like how that doesn't even make sense if you really get into it those channels that are actually part of our nervous system you know they cross all the way up our spine and up into here into our third eye and into those glad that glandular system mm -hmm. wherein we have direct access through the nose to both of those channels and kundalini is really just the practice of engaging with your life force energy and the fallen state that it is in down at the base of the spine and pulling it up through all the chakras and um bringing life force energy into all of those chakras so that they can be developed and we can step into the alignment and truth of our design. That's how you connect to it and find it. And in my experience, it's not the only way, but it's certainly a really effective True. way. There's this book, the, one of the books that I always recommend to people who are like, I want to experience a little more of Kundalini or understand it. And it's a book called Awake as in ancient days by Felice Austin. And um, it really describes Kundalini quite effectively and breaks it all down into uh, palatable bites, mm -hmm. wherein you can really understand how the practice of engaging with your life force within your body gains you access to the energy that's coursing through your body. And we're just all, everything is energy. Everything yeah. is energy and everything is created spiritually before it is created physically, including ourselves, including our bodies. Right. And so it's just interacting with that energy and going, Oh, here's what's here. I'm, I'm going to step into my life force, draw my life force up so I can gain access to what's actually going on in my human experience in the present moment, because that's the power, right? Pre sure. The present moment, the now, the power of now and um, engaging with that from an energetic place allows us to have greater influence. And that's really what the practice of Kundalini is. A lot of people who have studied the Essene community, the ancient Essene community, believe that that's the community that Christ's inheritance, that was his inheritance. That's the community that, that he came from. I believe that as well. I, I believe that's where his 
the specifically his mother and his grandmother like that's the inheritance of of who he was and um these are people who practiced a lot of kundalini and life force energy alchemy and that's how they were able to have effect on their body a lot of, i know in the last week when we were with sunny somebody made a, a comment about why how i look so young and that's a comment i get all the time all the time and i think i said in the show uh there are some secrets there are some things and kundalini is really the secret to cellular regeneration and accessing the energy in the body and we really are composed of that energy it we're, re we're a reflection of our health and True. that's a big part of of why i look the way that i do and um wait what do you mean by that well you look the way you do what do you mean by well, that i just mean that like i'm very i look younger than i did even five years ago yeah that's true we we had that discussion last week i forgot we were all trying to guess <laughs> and we all were like way off yeah. we won't go into that way off way off i mean i i mean just to give your viewers context i have a 25 year old i did not have that 25 year old as a well i didn't actually have that 25 year old it's is it a a child that's adopted but i did biologically have a 21 year old and i'm the mother of six kids i've been married for nearly 25 years um i'm much older than i look i get mistaken for my 19 year old son's girlfriend every time we're out in with my mom it's the same way <laughs> and that's really about that take stepping into my power to be my own physician to take responsibility for the energetic quality going on inside of my body mm -hmm. and working with that recognizing that i have the power to work with that and i've always had that power we all have that power yeah so good uh alan my man good to see you speaking of morning brew kind of like how the pentagram has been demonized it is actually the sign of giving to others the point top point of it symbolizes one's own self and the lower two points of the pentagram spreads out as a sign of giving to others i've actually read that and i believe it but i'm not going to be rocking with any pentagrams anytime soon just to be careful just like i'm not going to put a swastika for on my forehead <laughs> because I know where the swastika came from. It was originally mm -hmm. a symbol of peace. Yeah, yeah. But a lot, I mean, I haven't studied the pentagram really deeply or anything like that, but I mean, I have a Merkaba tattoo yeah. and um, I, I do have an affinity for sacred geometry and, and connect to that symbols and math and things like that can reveal God to us as well. Uh, and 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 then it that things have been taken out of context and demonized so i like can't really speak to that specifically but i know that it's real that people have misconstrued connection to god in all of its forms well exactly and i heard a pastor say um actually it was dr miles monroe and brandon mm. good to see you buddy thanks for stopping by man hey, brandon. Um, <laughs> 
I was on the morning brew this morning too. We got we got into it big time. Oh. Um, and, a, and a good like we got into some pretty crazy stuff. I have to go listen. Nothing that God created was bad. Only man corrupted it. Like he was even talking about the cannabis plant. The cannabis mm. plant. Who and and I am an advocate as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is my savior. I love cannabis. Cannabis mm -hmm. has been. I, I don't take any other medication other than my HIV drugs. And, mm. it, and cannabis has been amazing for me. And I'm willing to drop kick anyone in the face who wants to fight me about this because I, listen, I ask, and everyone has this ability to do with the relationship with God. And your relationship with God is none of my business as is my relationship with God is none of yours. Because that's why they call it a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not the crowd's relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, I ask, Holy Spirit, you show me, you remove everything that does not belong in my life, whether it's a relationship, whether it's something I'm doing, and I will stand here clear-faced as all days, and yes, I was a drug addict. I, was a, I abused meth, and I abused cocaine. I abused a lot of things, but cannabis has been a great medicine for me, and I'm willing to fight to the death about it. So- mm -hmm. And I, and I won't hide that, but even like man has corrupted so much, mm -hmm. so much. Like when people attack people that do yoga, mm -hmm. they, well, that's the, you're, you're offering in spirits. And I, I'm going to make a lot of people I know mad by saying this because there are the people that are attacking yogis, but did God invented breathing? Like we need to breathe. Mm -hmm. Breathing is a proven to heal. So how come your breathing is okay and people who want to stretch and breathe at the same time is not? How come that's bad? Or mm -hmm. holding a pose? They have like, come on, man! Like, get off of it and get off judging other people. Like, what are you hiding in your closet? Mm -hmm. Like, that you need to attack somebody for the way that they want to breathe and stretch? Yeah, come well, on. that's just fear. Like, it's fear that they're wrong or their belief structure is not accurate it's just fear speaking but i love what you shared about cannabis i'm a big supporter of earth-based medicine plant yeah. anything plant medicine based all living things all living things are connected the earth mother earth is a reflection of the divine feminine and when we take that medicine into ourselves, that not pharmaceutical medicine though it has its place plant-based medicine is our connection directly to the divine feminine to the feminine version of god and it's it's healing it's nourishing it's love it's you know so i'm a big supporter of that as well and and taking into self that which the earth offers us yeah i mean yeah and you think about how poorly we've treated oh earth and and that's also directly reflected in what we're experiencing we there's there's consequences for that but i know for me as i've healed my relationship with the earth and connected to the earth and worked on how i interact with the earth responsibly mm -hmm. that those plant-based medicines have interacted with me and my body differently and also that 
I I can differentiate between what has been demon like that's also when I was able to separate myself from how medicine has been demonized, how yeah. cannabis, how plant-based medicine and, and earth-based medicine has been demonized and take that into me and, and feel its effectiveness when I'm re- interacting with the earth very responsibly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, what is it that, uh, what was I, being a good steward yeah. of what we've been blessed with, like we, usually when I say that I'm talking about finances or if you're praying and asking God for a new car, well, like, are you being a good steward of the car you have now? You're Mm -hmm. begging God for more money. Are you being a good steward with the money that you have or Mm -hmm. are you spending it on hookers and blow? And (laughs) for a long time, that was me. So (laughs) I, I, I wasn't a good steward. Therefore I, God took it from me. Yeah, well, no, steward and, of the body, like your, yeah. your body is a vehicle. But also the earth, like yes. how we take care of like littering. Mm-hmm. Like every time I see someone litter, I it it I it, there's I like to say it's a righteous anger because but it really <laughs> makes me want to bite people's face because I'm going, yeah. how either lazy are you or how just are you you're disrespecting the earth. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, everything is energy. Mm-hmm. And there's proof of this. And those of you that get offended by energy talk, when you talk about Jesus, you do not know Jesus at all. I, I, I said it. I said it mm-hmm. to you, religious people. <laughs> there's a, it's, it's, it's like, have you ever seen, I forgot the name of the test, but where the person screamed at water. <laughs> they mm. were screaming, ah, you're ugly, you fat piece of water you you ugly water and they put it in a freezer and, and changes the other one where they were talking beautifully to the water like oh water you're so pretty oh i want to make out with you and then you put it in the freezer when it crystallized the crystals that were from the angry water were just it it and the point is there's energy in water yeah <laughs> and we're and we're water you put into it why this is why you talk nicely to your plants and yes. you call that foo-foo and woo-woo and crazy, but the truth no, is really. there's scientific studies that prove it. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about COVID scientists. I'm talking about real scientists. There's no Emoto. conspiracy here. Yeah, Emoto proved this. Mm-hmm. E- e- Emoto, Emoto, yes. Yeah, I mean, really it's true. And we're, we're water, like that's what we're composed of. We have the ability to affect the water of our body, the water that, we live, you know, around and with, and um, the water of the earth, and and the water of the people that we're in relationship with. We have, you know, stewardship over the and all the energy that we influence, and whether that is uh, chaotic, like my toddler scribbling, or <laughs> or if it's beautiful, like a snowflake. <laughs> Yeah, snowflakes. We have, I don't know if you can see. Well, I can't, wait, I can turn it. I gotta be careful though. Okay. Hold on. I don't know if you'll be able to see. We got a bunch of snow last night. Oh. We barely doing it justice, but we got a bunch of snow, but it's Minneapolis. So what do you expect? But 
Um, well, you're in Utah. It snows there too, right? Yeah, I'm in Utah and I am I live in a national forest, the Uinta National Forest. I live at a very high elevation. For those of you that know Utah, like I'm a little bit higher than Park City. So uh, we have a lot of snow and I, very rural, very, very rural. I, I live 30 minutes from a store of any kind, but right. um, I, we actually go outside after freshly fallen snow and gather up the snow and, and pour some maple syrup on it and consume it. Like you're consuming something, like think about what snow looks like under a microscope. And I'm uh, going outside when we're done, by the way. I'm going to hug do a it. Tree. I want to hug like, a tree and I'm bringing maple syrup with me and I'm going to cool. pour it in a glass and put snow in it. Think I'm about it. Think about the science that we've been talking about and what what that stuff, that crystallized love, that's really what we're talking about is love. And that wraps it all the way back to the beginning. The reception of love is really being in gratitude, right? And when we eat snow, we're receiving love into the body directly from above us and it's it's such a beautiful gift i i'm so grateful for where i live i live very rural so i can be connected to the earth be be grounded it's it's my womb so to speak and uh gains me access to god in a way that i can't experience in the city for me individually i love the chaos and i love living in cities but i will admit that there's something special about being able to mm -hmm get away from it. Um, I'm just drawn into the city. I mean, it's just where I want to live everywhere I go, like move me downtown. That's where I want to go. <laughs> I want to be around all of it, but yeah, I, but it, I, cause I can't, I do not appreciate the solitude as much until I'm in chaos That's mm. to get me to relax. And so breathing is something that like again, like just from the last week alone, I've been more aware and Jessica is always in my ear, like freaking breathe. Because <laughs> I'm always ramped up and fired up about something. And yeah. you know, I get, I'm just super, super intense, but I'm passionate about what I do and I love it. But I forget to breathe all the time. And I want to segue into breathing really quick, but I want to read Alan's comment. If you even take science into consideration, physical matter that makes the ground we stand on, the cells that make up our bodies all have positive and negative charge to them. So it stands to reason that energies all around connects us all together, but most don't see that connection. To see everything all around us is one creation and energy since the birth of the universe from the start of time. Mm -hmm. Should write a well book. said, well said, yeah. Alan. Um, I could talk to you for four days, I think. Um, but we don't have four days, and I have work to do. <laughs> I we can I, talk again. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do this again for sure, and we're gonna go, you know, wherever the spirit leads. But, um, do you because you did this with the guys on Morning Brew, mm -hmm. and uh. You know, I, I loved it, but maybe there's a different breathing exercise you would like to introduce to us and mm. uh, this audience. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll just connect to what I've needed most today. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll trust that that is what everyone else needs. And this is a practice that I engage in to uh, restore balance in the masculine and feminine within myself. 
And uh, it's just very grounding uh, practice to engage in. It's a kind of a cool way to interact with breath and to interact with those two channels that serpentine up um, our spinal cord and exit out of our nostrils. So uh, the easy version of this is to bring the hand up and just to plug the right nostril. Okay. And we're going to, we're going to breathe in through the left and then we're going to plug the left and exhale out the right. And then we're going to breathe in. We plug after that inhale, which does something really interesting to our mind. It's kind of like padding. It's, it's, tricky to plug after the inhale, not the exhale. So inhale, plug, exhale. Inhale, plug, exhale. Inhale, Plug, exhale. Inhale. Plug, exhale. Let's do just a couple more. Inhale. Plug, exhale. Inhale, plug, exhale, inhale, plug, exhale. Now let's release the hand and just a full inhale through both nostrils. And exhale. Two more. Inhale. One more. And just feel how you just take a moment, maybe 10 seconds to feel how you feel in the body. I feel jacked up. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> I felt like the back of my brain was breaking in half. Oh. Like each corner. So as I was breathing, I'd felt like something was snapping off. <laughs> like interesting. Yeah, I don't know. 
So imagine if you did that. I mean, a lot of times my, my meditation practice is really long, but most of my, I kind of break it down into individualized breath work practices. So I would typically do a practice like that for five to seven minutes. Yikes. That would lose my mind. I think I usually use music to time it. So sensory deprivation, I usually have headphones on, blindfold on a blind, like a eye mask on and, I, I'm not really thinking about time. I'm allowing myself to kind of get lost in the practice and um, what you feel like on the other side of that five to seven minutes of that kind of a breathwork practice is truly invigorating. Wow. Well, I'm going to make a practice of breathing more because um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can... I can f- really do tell like when I'm all ramped up in the ne- in a negative way mm-hmm. that it's because I'm not breathing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that simple. God, Josh, we've got to design a meditation practice for you. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, Probably. yeah. Let's do it together. Let's do a private session. See what you feel like on the other side of it because I want to share the power of this with you. Super cool. I, I'm always down. Well, and look, we're going to stay connected. Um, mm-hmm. my, uh, Jessica is, uh, I wish she was here. She's actually, so we got, we got, a, we worked out a deal with um, Starbucks and Starbucks is starting to give us food mm-hmm. to go out and, you know, pass out. And they gave us a bunch last night. They gave us more today. Oh, so she's so, out. So she took off. So while I'm doing this, she's out, you know, feeding mm-hmm. what I need and with the girls. But she actually wanted to be here. So we're going to have to do it again to to bring you her in because she's captivated by you. Um, so anyway, but Audrey, uh, I adore you. You're a blessing. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being here. Thank uh, you, Josh. And, and definitely be in touch. I'll be – I'm going to email you the um, – the media kit that we do. So like after every broadcast, like this went out to Apple TV and Roku and Amazon fire and then social media. But now after this, we'll put it, um, you know, we turn it in, we transcribe the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, we take the video portion from the TV network and then the audio for podcast and radio, put it together in a media kit and I'll send it to you. Um, this was awesome. Like I really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, and I think you're a blessing. So I, I thank you for just being like awesome. Oh, well, you know, it's just, I'm just so grateful again for this vulnerable conversation, for who you are, for how you're showing up, for the vulnerability, for a connection. Yeah. We talked about Jesus, bathhouses, <laughs> trauma. Like we, we got into all breathing, Kundalini. We did. We covered up. a lot of area today. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. All right. God bless you. Thank you for being here. See it. Audrey O'Brien, everybody. Wow. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, I, this, this is always, I get a little vulnerable after these kind of broadcasts because I know my mom watches and she's going, golly, what does he talk about that? And then I'm sure my mother-in-law is going, what did she, what did my wife do or what did my daughter do marrying this guy? <sighs> Someone's got to talk about it. It's going to be me. But I do encourage you, all of you out there, that if you're struggling with something, you're suffering in silence, talk to somebody. I'm not telling you that you should go on a, 
uh, you know, go on TV and air out all your laundry. But who knows? Maybe uh, it launches a, a career for you. But the world is dying for your truth. And your truth is actually the most healing thing in the world. You think about all of the corruption and all of the bad things that are happening in the world right now. The, it, the worst thing I think is the misinformation because the misinformation or the disinformation is a lie. It's it's the it's 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 for it's confusing. A lot of people are believing lies to be true, and and you can't heal in a lie. And so the truth is painful, and a lot of people run from the truth. A lot of people hide their own truth because it hurts. But I don't. I can tell you from my own experience, the most painful thing, and you can ever the most painful thing in the world you can ever do to yourself is not live in your purpose. And you cannot live in your purpose. You cannot live the life that you were created to live if you're living a lie. Outside of the fact that God does not bless lies, you will never, you will never experience the joy that life has to truly offer you if you're living a lie. The most powerful, I mean, I, there's been so many le learning lessons over the years that I've, I've been so blessed to learn from people. But the one that sticks out and I brought up earlier in the interview today was that with, with, with uh, uh, the most powerful lesson, ah, brain farted, shoot. I was thinking about what Jason told me. Oh, never mind. It doesn't matter. Oh, I hate it when I blow my brain fart like that. <sighs> anyway. The truth, the truth matters. The truth is healing. And you know, you don't have to go public with everything. It's not about that. But there's some of you that, you know, it, your mess truly may be the mess that you had and the mess that you overcome, that may be what launches you into your purpose. There's a lot of people out there that are hurting right now that don't have the courage to reach out and ask for help. But your story, your message may be the very thing that motivates them to, to speak up or to ask for help or to reach out to you and go, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Look, you can reach out to me. There's nothing that I haven't done. I know that I'm not the only man that struggled with their sexuality because of whatever. Maybe it's a generational curse. Maybe it comes from abuse. I know I'm not the only man. I'm not, I know I'm not the only man that loves Jesus that had unhealthy, had an unhealthy relationship with sex. I can't even say that my relationship with sex is completely healthy yet. I can't. You know, I what makes it, I guess, healthy and safe is the fact that when I struggle, I can talk to Jessica about anything. And that's amazing. Like to have that in a partner. And look, here's something else. I, I, I feel led to say this. I may keep going. I don't know. I'm supposed to be working right now, but I feel like I need to say this. I say I'm supposed to be working. This is what I do. <laughs> My work is ministry. <laughs> I mean, technical stuff. But if you're going into a relationship and you're not willing to be honest, you're setting yourself up for failure. And, and what's true, and I, I, I want to share this too, 
because I shared this earlier in the interview and I told Jessica at the very beginning when we met and I thought we were just going to be friends, like amazing friends, but I didn't know that I was moving to Minnesota. I didn't know I was going to fall in love. I didn't, I didn't know any of that, but I shared with her. I was like, for, I have this thing, like the more attractive I am to a woman, the more I fantasize about her with other men. And it's, it was very, it wasn't, a good thing and I've weaponized sex before where if I'm fighting with somebody like all of these these things that would come up for me and it would trigger desires that were not healthy the point is by me being able to be honest about that I was able to create the space for honesty and and that can be very very healing for a lot of you some of you, again, and, and another thing too, if you can't, don't go into a relationship if you're trying to plug a hole in your life out of loneliness. And if you're, the life is not in order, don't, don't go jump in a relationship. Don't bring someone else down with you. Do the work and heal. And if you don't know how to do the work, reach out to me. It's worth it. I've wrecked three I didn't, my third marriage that I, when I married somebody, I didn't know, like, I didn't like really wreck anything. I mean, that, that was different. Like, I can't really look at that with any regret, but my other two marriages and where I lost my kids and I hurt somebody who didn't deserve to be hurt. Like, I, I don't know if I can say their name. I won't say their names. Um, and even my ex that I was with for five years, the one I went to jail with, I mean, because of twice because of domestic violence. Like that, it wasn't right. But I was only willing to tell half of the truth in that relationship. But going into a relationship not willing to be honest, you're gonna hurt a lot of people, especially if you have unhealed trauma. And it's true, and I promise you, if you do the work and heal, God will bring you someone that he will bring you your person. How frustrating is it for you ladies out there to think that you found the one and, and then you find out that the whole thing has been a lie. I've done that to more people than I care to admit. But another thing too, ladies, another man is not going to heal you. And if you just, if you just came out of an abusive relationship, don't go get in another one because, and I'm going to share something and it I probably make people uncomfortable, but so be it. If, if you've experienced trauma, people like me, <laughs> other people that have experienced trauma and have been predators to some degree, in other words, that know how to smell people's weaknesses, AKA narcissist, like you're setting yourself up to get even more hurt. Take the time to spend with God, to spend alone, to heal, to love yourself, to learn how to love yourself and make loving decisions. Drinking yourself to sleep every night is not a healthy choice. Going out and effing someone else's brains out, like is not really a healthy choice. It's not, an, it's not the escape you think it is. And this is, again, coming 
from somebody with my past. All you're doing is setting yourself up for more and more pain. And here's what's scary about all of it. If you have kids, it's affecting them too, whether you wanted to admit it, acknowledge it or not. I know because I've seen the after effect. I've seen what it's happened and I, I won't out of respect to her. I'm, I'm going to not say that, but you know, I'm very fortunate that my oldest daughter is back in my life, but she has had to deal with the consequences of my actions or my lack of actions, my lack of being a father because other things were more important, like trying to fulfill, fill the hole in my heart. Take the time to heal. And the best thing that any of you can do for yourself, especially if you're stuck in a home with, you know, with, with, you know, COVID going on and you're in this relationship, you have a house and you're, and now all of a sudden your double life is a lot harder to live. Start with truth. Truth is the only way things are going to heal. The way the only way the world is ever going to heal is if we find out the truth that's been hidden from us for so long. That's why I believe the awakening is coming, but it's not what people think. But the awakening is going to hurt a lot of people because the truth hurts. But as T.D. Jake says, the blessing is in the breaking and the truth is going to break a lot of people's hearts, but it is the only way we're going to heal. God bless you. Have an amazing day, and thank you for supporting the Live Model Worldwide Network.